Welcome to the Brookwood Life of the Mind podcast, episode four, the Parvus Said Potens edition. I'm Sherry Walsh, assistant head of school. I'm here today with one of my favorite people on the planet, and I'm not just saying that because he's my boss, Rich McPherson, the headmaster of Brookwood. Today's podcast is a special episode on small schools. One of the things that occurs to me over and over as I talk with other teachers is that having a school that is small in size is key to many of the problems, to solving many of the problems that come up in schools. I think that COVID made me conceive of this issue much more acutely as we would not have been able to open at all in the fall of 2020 had we not been obviously able to space and ventilate, to know where our students are, and to have a reasonable scope of logistics. As it turns out, that's just a tiny part of um, the huge advantages that we experience as a small school. Here's my conversation with Rich. So when I first hired into Brookwood, I was excited about joining a small school that is also a kind of intentional community. Like I, I'm understanding um, that people know each other and that um, there's a kind of common language to talk about things that come up. But when the pandemic hit, I think things really changed um, and we began really to see the kind of benefits of being a small school. And that's the impetus for this podcast. Uh, thinking a little bit today about um, the benefits of a small school and how so many problems in education can be solved if people think about the small school as the unit of you know education. Yeah, it was really evident during the pandemic because I met with all the other Catholic schools in the archdiocese and Avalon and Brookwood together are bigger than some schools, but separately were small right. schools. And the problems they had, they had no idea how they were going to handle the, the pandemic. They were going to come two days a week, go to school two days a week off, ninth grade come one day, 10th grade come another. You know, what teachers would show up? You know, how did they have enough space? Like Good Council has 1,300 students, you know, and they have a big building, but it was still a nightmare for them. So just the logistics the of log moving that many people around. I do remember having conversations about hallway traffic. Yes. About like what we needed to think about, uh, with, I mean, ventilation, classrooms, those kinds of things, but also hallway traffic. And how at Avalon, that was easy to solve because people could walk outside. outside. Well, we were kind of pawed, so we didn't have to move as much during the pandemic in right. the hallway. But uh, it is a little bit of a problem. You do see it even now that the pandemic's lightened up and the kids are moving, that there's, there's a little bit of bumping. Because I think we're in a church building with classrooms instead of a, a school building. They and it, like the public schools, the, the, the hallways are so big to uh, right. account for so many people. Uh, right. But, but, it, but it, we were able to pull it off because we're a small school, we have small classes, and we just could move things around. It was, it was actually kind of fun listening to the problems of the other schools when we felt like we had it handled. We had a good handle on it. Yeah. And I think being a small school... Should uh, I mention that the Merriam-Webster word for the day last week was schadenfreude? <laughs> I didn't have that. I, mean, <laughs> I just liked listening to the logistics. Uh -huh. So I, I was... I was the, the problem solving sort yeah, of intellectual the problem way. solving. Yes, I was sorry that they were going through those problems and some of their students came to our school, <laughs> enrolled in our school. But uh, but uh, but even from the beginning of starting Avalon and Brookwood, we, we said we wanted small schools intentionally. I remember going to an ISM conference, Independent School Management, and they did a survey of some of the best schools all over the country. And one of the things they found is schools that were under 500 tend to be the best schools. That's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, under 500, students. no matter, right, under 500 students, but no matter 
Uh, whether it's K through 12 or yeah. 9 through 12, but the, like that's a different a different kind of measure. It's so like the community is this large. Yeah, the big the biggest thing was that the head of the school would be able to know every student or, yeah. or pretty much every student. Mm-hmm. And so if you did have 800, but you had a high school, a middle school, and a lower school, right? And they were separate divisions, but the head of each division knew everyone in its place. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's how you get the community. Yeah, when I taught in Ohio, um, we had a larger school, but the upper school campus was nine miles away. Um, so there was a, a sense mm-hmm. of you know of it as Diff- its own thing, and yeah. it felt and it felt small as its own little planet. Of course, there are disadvantages to that. Like I mean, so many good things come from having the big kids interact with the little kids regularly and yeah. naturally. Uh, so having like the K through twelve or the one through twelve. Um, small school enables, you know, enables all of those interactions in a way that um, that the the more isolated divisions can't handle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it is really lovely to see that um, the older girls and the younger girls, and even like your um, your your independent math period, mm-hmm. uh, to see the older girls and the younger girls and they're together. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that there's and with the houses as well. Well, when we were starting the school, there were a bunch of us who wanted like just high school. We didn't, or, and if we hmm. did middle school or lower school, they wanted them separate. And but you know in a family you have the older brothers, the older sisters, the younger brothers, your younger sisters, and if you want to be a family, and the little kids look up to the older kids. We see that mm-hmm. on the festival days, and the older kids, you know, love the little kids. I mean, yeah. And I mean, do you, would you say that the school is kind of modeled on the family? I would. I mean, community anyway, a small yeah. community, and the you know the family's the ultimate unit of society. So. And it makes it easier for family if they can drop all the kids off at one place or two sure. places, uh, which is nice that Avalon and Brookwood are so close or that we have shuttles going between the schools mm-hmm. and things like that. And it is fun to see the siblings interact in the mm-hmm. hallways, too. Bye, Bridie. You know, yeah. sort of... plus, plus, you know, with the boys separate from the girls, you know, with their, the girls having brothers over there and the brothers having sisters at Brookwood, it's a little more comfortable meeting each other and their friends. It's, right. It gives us a nice thing. Right. But you know, another thing about a small school is just like we can have an assembly and everyone will be in the school. Mm-hmm. You know, when, uh, you know, uh, sometimes at lunch, they have three lunch periods to, to, to feed the whole school or they'll have three right. different assemblies right. or something like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my high school, I went to a big public high school with over 2,000 kids and the only time we were together was when there was a bomb scare. We all had to go out, <laughs> out into the football field. But thinking too about like the events of the school and how you wouldn't want to try to, you know, to do it for the little kids, do it for the medium kids, do it for the older kids. You, know, you want to have like an event. Mm-hmm. That, and so like a kid gets inducted into a house. Um, like you wouldn't do that repeatedly. You would, I mean, you, and it's important to everybody. Yeah. So it's, I mean, when, it, so when there are events, it seems really important to have everybody there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it seems like that's, that's a solution in ways. Um, I mean, thinking about the all school masses, um, you know, at Circle Manor during COVID, um, it's, I guess it would have been possible to have had smaller divisions uh, in order to be able to accommodate people inside when it was very cold. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's a thought that someone might have had, but I don't think anybody entertained that seriously. I mean, the all school mass is important as an all school event. Again, when stuff happens, you want everybody. Yeah. Um, and so thinking about, 
about how that works and how the community is shaped. Yeah, no, there is definitely uh, just even teachers knowing other teachers and knowing their families, the kids, knowing their, the kids and mm -hmm. their parents. I mean, that's something that we wanted as a school, a real community. Right. So then the school is a kind of extension of the family yeah. in that way, and then, you know, multiple families. And so you have, um, there's a kind of ease and naturalness to it that um, that you wouldn't have otherwise. And I bet I bet that's why everybody came back to teach when you know other schools were virtual and they were having trouble getting teachers to come in. Um, I mean, it seems like that's part of why we were successful. I mean, not one person said, I don't know, I'm nervous about that, I don't wanna do it. Everybody immediately said, yes, let's try to stay open, let's do what we need to do to stay open. Well, we knew staying open was better for the kids too. I mean, right. we, we didn't, you know, uh, we just had an application to the school today where their third graders now have to have their own laptop. Oh. Third grade, and by fourth grade, all their work will be done on laptops. And wow. they, they don't want that. They want a more personal thing like that, mm -hmm. like, you know, like we have. And so they're looking at the school. Uh, and you can just be more personal. I was telling you about uh, a teacher I know, a veteran teacher. She actually taught with Madeline McPherson for a number of years at St. Bernadette's, and then she went to this independent private school. And I was asking her how many of her students could she get to know because it's a big all-girls school. And she says, oh, mostly the kids I teach. And then she goes, I don't even know all the teachers at the school. And yeah, I, that's to me, amazing. To me, that, that was a little bit sad. But, you know, when I worked at MetLife, one of the largest companies in the world, I just knew the people in my little yeah. district. But you had to make your... What you do is you make your little department kind of your mm -hmm. small community. Right. So if you do have a big community... And that's what Ism said. You know, you got to break it up into smaller communities. Right. But it's just kind of nice that all the girls are part of Brookwood. All their parents are part of Brookwood. And when we do something, we got we have them all. It's, yeah. It's just. Yeah. I don't know. I I really like it. Yeah. I mean, it seems it seems really it seems key yeah. to um, to. I mean, it also I think makes people. I was thinking too about my own mindset mm -hmm. and how when I was working elsewhere. I would get sort of cranky about, you know, I have to make that, another... That happens here too, Sherry. Well, I, I wouldn't <laughs> confirm or deny okay, no, any no, such no. feeling. Uh, but, the, um, but I would get sort of cranky about like having to make another dang casserole, uh, you know, for whatever event, you know, that, that sort of, I mean, that kind of feeling. And I mean, here at Brookwood, we're all the time, like, you know, I, I have the 10th grade um, has written a sonnet. They're going to do a celebratory reading. Um, my husband makes quick bread to, you know, and so there's just, I mean, it, the mentality changes when it's, um, it's not like, I, and I don't know if it's that I've shifted from having a kind of myself consumer mentality or sort of like an employee mentality to having kind of, a, you know, this is what you do for your community. Mm -hmm. Like the students have written a poem. We're going to celebrate that. Here's the, you know, here's some food to celebrate that. And it's just, um, it, it's a very different feeling. I was thinking about that too with regard to gala and how... Um, it seemed like I, I can and I would I would snobbily sit out at, you know, singing and dancing events, um, you know, in, in my former mm -hmm. iteration. Um, and um, and here it feels very natural to take part. Mm -hmm. And again, I think in part it's that everybody does it that, you know, that the headmaster is doing it, that um, that it's it's a collective thing. But also 
it, it's not like a, it doesn't feel like singing for your supper. You know, mm. it feels like um, it feels like taking part in an outpouring of joy of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a real difference. And I think it's related to size. I think it's related to um, the sense that people know each other in the community um, in a way that is about it's about family and then it's about more than family. Well, you know, just even our social events for each class is a chance to get to know the other parents of a student in your daughter's Mm -hmm. class is a big thing, getting them to know each other and, you know, getting to know the teachers. I mean, they're entrusting the girls' education to us. They should get to know us better, not only in school, but outside of school. Right. I think about how many houses of the kids I've been to, parents having parties or uh, dropping them off after sports or, mm-hmm. you know, just, uh, I don't think that happens at a big school. I right. don't think it could happen. Well, and you see all sides of, mm-hmm. um, I mean, as a student, you see all sides of the adults' personalities mm-hmm. in a way that is more like in a family than mm-hmm. it is in a, a strictly kind of professional setting. And um, in ways, like as long as we do our part, you know, we have all sides of our personality that are worth being seen. Um, it can be um, it can be really good for for students to uh, to see you know, here's this smart person who teaches me interesting things who also um, has you know these other interests mm-hmm. or um, makes this kind of mistake or you know is is a full person in ways. Yeah, even like the like David Bowes bringing his little kids into school. The sure. teachers bringing the kids or we had the uh, little Andrew Bostic toddling little around. Little Bostic toddling. I mean that. It was very funny to see Melissa's face today. Oh, so yeah. um, Dr. Melissa Seitz is helping us out with Gala this year. And uh, she is her first day. And so she was sitting in Fellowship Hall uh, waiting for the kids to come in. And who comes around the corner but, you know, 16-month-old <laughs> Andrew Bostick um, who, uh, who toddles in. And, um, and M- Melissa kind of looked at me and <laughs> she was sort of surprised that, you know, here in this professional environment. We have some prodigies here. Yes. At the, uh, at I said, oh, the 10th grade has arrived. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, but I think that that's that's not the norm, mm-hmm. and um, and it's nice it's nice to have Andrew Bostic toddle around the corner. Yeah. Um, so you know, when I was at my old school, also too, we were a small school for a long, long time, and then when we were becoming a bigger school, there were a number of people. No, no, we don't want that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there is a certain size where you have to have you have to have it a certain size to make it economically feasible. You know, you have to have enough students. So that you can actually pay the teachers a decent salary. Looking forward to that. Yeah. So we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not there yet. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, just uh, we had a president's meeting, all the Catholic schools on Monday. It was a Zoom meeting. And just to hear, again, like at, during COVID, their complications of hiring teachers for next year. You know, when they have such a big school, they have so many more employees they have to worry about. And we have our 25 employees, and it's just, it just doesn't seem like, okay, if a teacher leaves, well, we'll get another teacher, you know? I mean, right, I mean you right. don't want your teachers to Well, leave. they're having a whole demographic clear out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and that's a different thing. And again, I mean, it's it has to do with, like, why our teachers are not clearing out. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, that's, I think, because they feel they belong. And because they feel it's safe, they trust that Mr. Holly's going to do a good job of, um, you know, being COVID czar and keeping things reasonable. 
um, and that we've taken reasonable steps and, um, and we believe in what we do. And we also want our kids going to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, um, that's the there's one that. thing I remember saying that the number of teachers at Avalon and Brookwood that have kids in the school, we wanted our kids in school. I right. mean, we, we were willing to put our own kids in the group. We weren't afraid. We, yeah. We had confidence in the administration that we were going to handle it correctly. And man, we were right. Yeah, I mean, we did. that's amazing. It's amazing the degree. I, I I knew that it was better for kids to be in school than to be out of school. But I didn't realize, you know, there would be so much schedule flipping, so much depression, so mm-hmm. much um, inability to execute tasks, so much you know, among students who um, who were remote, you know. Yeah. And not and um, and I think our students there was, you know, your mileage may vary, but um the um but like Thinking about the larger population, I mean, that seems to be the broader experience, especially where people already feel disconnected, like at a large school. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think here, if somebody didn't hand something in, we pursued them. Um, whereas in the, you know, if you have a, a larger um, situation where you're not sure what are the right questions to ask, too, you're not sure what people's situation is, um, it's, it becomes much more difficult to follow up and to actually help the students learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think the connectedness really helped during that period of disconnection. Um, but keeping the schools open turns well, out to be I know, remember so doing the, the lunch duty some days over at Warner uh, Circle, uh, Warner Mansion, technical name or what Warner Manor what's the technical it has the sign out there anyway people on the street say Circle Manor yeah Yeah. on the sign there says uh, Warner Manor our one listener has now turned off (laughs) oh really (laughs) okay uh, but the the the, the, uh, recess just watching the girls they had their you know the roller skates they had they were climbing trees you could hear them laughing running around just being in person they were so happy Mm -hmm. creek walking uh it was an, it was very important to be in person. I mean, much more than we thought so. Yeah. Now, I mean, we've learned a lot. I think about um, Anna Pantoja and her tree swing. Yeah. Yeah. That she. I mean, she's a brand new student. You know, she. We were outside for lunch because we were outside as much as possible, and you know, she she brings her tree swing. Yeah, and she and, brings a rope and yeah. makes her own tree swing, and that was a family that was really hesitant about coming in person at the start Hmm. in fact they came in like a week before school and we showed them how we were going to be set up and that's Mm -hmm. when they decided yeah this this will this will work Mm -hmm. and so uh it did and just once again having the small school we were able to be a little bit more flexible yeah and that was nice kevin davern always says we don't want just small classes which is something that private schools you pay for you get a smaller class size we want small schools because the benefit of the small classes and nice you get the individual attention but but you're only in class with that teacher one period a day but then you can see them outside of class you run right. into them and it's just it's important to have a small school and then when you have a small school you need everyone to kind of help out like how many kids right. participate that in also, the play and the sports and mm-hmm. things like that yeah that also might be a reason for my shift in attitude toward you know the darn casserole mm-hmm. uh, the um, i mean that it's like if i don't do whatever it is it's not going to be done mm-hmm. it's like it, i am needed to do this thing and i think the students feel that you know the the softball team needs me yeah. the um, you know i i need to um, participate in this because i want it to happen um, and that's really lovely. I mean, for people to feel like they belong to the point that their participation, um, like they feel an obligation to their friends to carry out their part because yeah. it really is needed. Yeah, we need the bodies. We need them out there. If you want a sport, 
like Allison Hunt starting volleyball. I mean, we had a volleyball yeah. team, then we couldn't get it going again. We didn't enough girls. And then during recess and lunch, she's playing all the time with everyone else. Before you know it, let's get a volleyball <laughs> team. I mean, I don't know if you can do those activities at a big school. You know, I guess you can. You mean like generate them? Generate them. Well, yeah. as often as they do here. Well, we need them, actually. But yeah. it's great for a girl to be able to do that, see a need and step up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and be able to be able to carry it out. And then, um, you know, oh, we need a coach. Well, who do you know? Well, who do you know? Yeah. Well, here's this person who's the ideal volleyball coach who happens to be, you know, between gigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, I mean, that worked out in an amazing yeah, way. Yeah, that was kind of a miracle. Well, just when we need a teacher, too, if someone mm-hmm. passes away or, or uh, we just have a need that, you know, my, my nephew James filled in after Joe passed away and Barbara Gagliotti filled in. I mean, they were there the next week. Yeah. You know, so it. So that's a testimony to community. Yes. But also to, I mean, obviously James feels like he belongs. Yeah. But um, but also like the and Barbara's a founder. Mm-hmm. But um, but that feeling of um, belonging and ownership, right? That mm-hmm. they um they saw that um, that with the passing of their friend or father, uh, that there um that there was this need um for somebody to take those classes, mm-hmm. and rather than hesitate, you know they they offered. Yes. Um. It seemed it does seem like that's um like that's something that happens. Yes. No, I don't know. I'm convinced. Yeah. <laughs> I'm convinced about the small school. I did have a, another Catholic school told me they, they're up to 1,300 students, and I just wanted to say that's too bad. You know, yeah. I feel bad for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, can you give them, well, even, we even lose some with our small 188 students, you know, lose right. some. And, and so if you have 1,300, you're going to lose a, a heck of a lot more. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of the times we've had kids that have, now, eighth graders have shadowed at these other schools and they immediately want to stay at Brookwood or they might go for one year mm-hmm. and they come, and back. they come back. We've yeah. had a lot of that at both schools. Mm-hmm. So they realize there's something there. Yeah. And I do, you, you talked about the gala, which is our, our big event. It's a fundraiser, but it's a fun also. Not only makes us money, but we have a lot of fun. And it really is a community because you have all the students all the teachers and all the parents on this one night, yeah, yeah, and friends of the school, and yeah. it's, and it's, it, it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. Yeah, I it's think. magical. Yeah. It really is. Like in execution, it's yeah. magical. You Grace Tifford hits that drum, and yeah. I start crying. Yeah, like it's just, because it's all coming together in one place. She became a Brookwood girl at the gala. You say, you know, you have to want to participate in the gala to be a true. Brookwood girl. Yeah, I mean, I think that that happens. Yeah. The process, the gala process, yeah. um, really helps everybody form um, as a community. It, because I think because it's relatively low stress, it's a way that if you do have a particular talent in singing or dancing or um, story writing or whatever, like the, there are places for those talents. But I think even if even if you're not remarkable in those ways, going through that process. Um, helps to form the community, and um, and it it does. I think it forges the the Brookwood girl yeah. in ways. Yeah. And then the uh, you know even the play. You know we know all the students that are in it from both schools and uh, participate. You need people to do the stage crew. You need people to you know certain people are go- going to act well and do mm-hmm. the do the costumes and the. But you need everyone to do it, and then you you come in. We don't have a fancy theater, but it's. Uh, it's it's just great. It's not like a real professional show, but it's a good show, and there's a lot of 
spunk among the yeah. the kids and it's the, thoughtful the, and yeah. and funny yeah. I mean, depending on the depending on the script but yeah. yes um but yeah i like yeah. that in uh serano de bergerac the movie jose farrar Is that uh-huh. it was in it was serano but they start out there's a play when he goes up and disrupts the play but people are sitting on the floor eating and everything while the play is about to start it's a little bit like an avalon <laughs> book with a, a play it reminds me of it a little anyway. Scrappy. Yeah, maybe kids running up and down. All the yeah. kids sitting up in front, and uh, you know, you can hear the candy wrappers sometimes, you know, rattling and stuff. But I remember we had a, a, a parent who was kind of a grade, always worried about her, her son's grades, and he was in one of the plays, and he was great. He, you know, he he just he was just really good. And I went up to her after, you know, I said. He doesn't get a grade for, you know, being in the play. And I said, don't you think that's worth it? And she goes, big nod. And, oh, and nice. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know? Helping people to see that, yeah. too. That there's value that isn't always quantifiable in that particular way. Yeah. That's pretty good. Well, I guess big schools have Grandparents Day, too, right? They must have it. Did you have Grandparents Day? At I Rose did not school? have no, Grandparents Day. No, we have Day. it here. So not only do you get to know the parents, you get to know their grandparents. So it really yeah. is trying to extend the community. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get to go to my first Grandparents' Day oh, this year because cool. my grandson's in our school. That's pretty great. When we started Avalon, I thought about my four sons that still needed a school and my daughter. I had another older daughter who was already settled, but uh, having no foresight, I never thought about grandchildren. Going <laughs> <laughs> well, one doesn't want to be presumptuous, <laughs> yeah. right? You don't want to be that guy. Yeah, we want to make but, sure um, we stay open. But yeah. uh that's just, that's exciting for me to think that my grandchildren that's will pretty be great. there. Yeah, yeah. That, the thing that you built yeah, yeah. is you know is is the place um, where Gil works and the place where your your grandchild yeah. attends. It's yeah. pretty great. So um, I mean, I think one thing that um, that I notice about the girls uh, is that of course they feel super comfortable at school. And I think this can go both ways. Maybe too comfortable yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, as I as I think about it, I mean, so when it goes wrong, it's that they feel comfortable, you know, leaving their stuff everywhere and you know, just mm-hmm. sort of making a mess. And maybe they don't take care of things the way that they should all the time. Uh, but when it goes right, it's I mean, that comfort leads to a kind of um, I don't know spontaneous creativity. I'm seeing it now in my drama class where I have you know mostly seniors. And, um, and actually, so one new Italian exchange student and Abigail, so a junior. Um, so they're, um, and they're working on a scene from Oedipus. And um, the way that they are just comfortable trying things out with each other and, um, and sort of talking through ideas and, again, saying dumb things and making mistakes and then fixing them and doing that, you know. And I, I think, like, all of that is, um, is a result of their, um, their comfort with each other. It's interesting, too, because the Italian um, student is super academic and well-qualified and friendly and nice. Uh, but she's always kind of like, I have a question or I would like to raise a concern. And then, you know, and so then we'll talk about it. But, um, but she, I, I bet that in three or four weeks, she'll be with the rest of them in terms of just sort of tossing out ideas. And, but it's interesting to watch her go from being very formal um, and she's very well-prepared and she's lovely. Uh, but to watch her from, to go from being formal to being a little bit more relaxed in that way. And it's just, it's really interesting. I think too about like Model UN, where the girls like in our club are very comfortable with each other, comfortable with the issues, happy to do a simulation about anything um, and to really fight each other, you know, in, in a 
pleasant rhetorical way, you know, with Model UN. And, um, and then when we have an in-person conference, it takes them a little bit to <laughs> be ready for the, they're sort of, oh, oh, yeah. you know, larger world. Hmm. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, what they learn here is so important and so valuable, and I'm glad that they're comfortable. I think it's right. I think it's right that they should have to then extend it mm -hmm. um, to the outside world. But there is definitely a step that has to be taken because they don't, they're not uncomfortable in that way all the time. They're not worried about you know, some person they don't know very well thinking something bad about them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when the world expands, it becomes a, it becomes a different thing. Um, but so they, so they learn, right? They take a step and then they can draw on that confidence that they've built over time. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you think, like a small school like ours, the number of teachers we have that have kids in the school? I mean, do you think that is many, there are many places with that, the number... Like, I think we have six kids in our senior class whose mothers... Well, the senior class is especially uh, fact-brat-dense. Yeah. yeah. And, but I do think it adds something. But they have younger sisters or younger yeah. brothers and stuff like yeah. that. So you not only have you, uh, the parents, really... Yeah, and I think it. I think it does add. Um, I don't know. I mean, my boys go to Avalon, yeah. so I, I think I have actually the ideal situation in that I'm connected, but I'm not always there. Yeah. Know? So I, I think that's in ways that's um, that's that's that works for us. Um, but I think too, it's it's nice to see people um, like mothers and daughters interacting in the hallway. Um, you know, over, you know, where's the laptop or, you know, I mean, th you know, things like that, or even like, where's my lunch? Yeah. Um, Mom, I forgot my lunch. Do you have $5? Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And again, that, um, I mean, you bring that up, I think as a result of this, um, this idea about the comfort that people yeah. have yeah. and the, the sense of home that school can provide. Well, you mentioned Abigail. So I know her mother teaches here. She's had two sisters that go here and, uh, and some have been here a long time, which at a big school, well, I guess in some schools, Stone Ridge is pre-K to 12th. I wonder how many students go all the way through there. Yeah. Visitations only high school. Holy Child's 6th through 12th. Heights is 3rd through 12th. But to have someone to go all the way through, we have a few. We, I mean, well, tiny school, but it's, it's kind of fun to have those long-term oh, yeah. relationships. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Lifers. Lifers. Um, and thinking about the um, the people who come in at sixth grade or who come in at ninth grade and how they change the dynamic. Mm -hmm. They shake it up in a good way. Um, and, um, and, you know, the dynamic shifts and, you know, they become part of it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that, I think that's really healthy that you have this core um, and then you also, you know, build out um, and that you have people who are, you know, every bit as involved, um, who are brand new. Um, and I, I don't know, I think that that's really, I think that's really good. I think at a larger school, it's harder to make that transition to really belonging. Um, whereas at Brookwood, I think that students, you know, fit in pretty quickly. Yeah. One of the things when we were starting, we were actually thinking of starting 6th, 7th, and 8th grade boys' school. Just, just those three grades. Middle schools, boys tend to have some trouble. Middle school, public middle schools are huge. The parochial schools had mostly female teachers at that grade. That sounds the, like a service project. Yeah. <laughs> no, but then we said, you know, but then we're going to get them in sixth grade. If we start earlier, we actually start at third grade. We'll have third, fourth, and fifth that will sort of get the Avalon way for three years. Sure. And so when you get a lot of boys who do come in at sixth grade because the right. public schools end at fifth or high school, you'll yeah. have a core, mm -hmm. a core group that understand what we're trying to do and hopefully can... 
Yeah, you could sort of inculcate the values yeah. early and give them a chance to practice them as they get a little bit older. And then when other people come in, that's what the culture is. Yeah. That's, establish that's, the culture. It doesn't work all the time, but it, it's been pretty good. So. Yeah. Anything else? I think, I mean, those were the, um, the, main, the main thoughts that I had. Um, I think that... There, there are a couple points I have on my list that are just about sort of seeing things coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know we know the students well, so we um, we generally can tell when uh, when people are in trouble, and um, and we can reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can also I think the the families feel comfortable telling us things about their children that in another context might make the family feel vulnerable um, and then we can help. Um, so I, I just think that that's another benefit of a small school that, um, and I think that's also, that crosses over to Catholic identity. Mm-hmm. I was um, talking earlier about, um, I'm on a Facebook group for AP Lang teachers um, and there was a post from a woman who said that she was so worried about her student, her student had a parent die of COVID and, uh, and then their house burned down and what should she do as a as a teacher? Like what what could she do? <laughs> and I thought, wow, I am so grateful that I belong to, you know, a small community where people reach out to each other regularly. And and I think also the Catholic identity comes into that as well. Mm-hmm. The um, that we gather and we pray and then we provide material support or, you know, whatever else needs to happen. But that she was posting on a you know on a forum, what should I do? Um, and because there's not I mean for her, there wasn't a base of community with that student. Um, and there wasn't a kind of common language, like a language of prayer wouldn't have had a place there. Yeah, that's when there's a disaster at a public high school and they have the people you can come in and talk to, counselors, you know. Yeah. Like, what do they talk about? Because they can't talk about God, they can't talk about eternal life. Uh, I mean, what do they talk about? They so, talk about their feelings. Yeah, their feelings. And, and that'll take them somewhere. Somewhere, but, yeah. which is you know, not a bad thing to get some of that out. But, you know... I mean, we talk about a small school being important and things like that, small classes, but we wouldn't be a school without the Catholic identity. I mean, that's what we want to have and inculcate in our students, and it's really the most important part of the school. Well, I do think that it's the confluence of the smallness and the Catholic identity Mm -hmm. that um, helps establish the culture of the school, and that, um, I mean, I think the Catholic identity is palpable because the school is small. I mm-hmm. think that it's possible, I think, to have a large, um, faithful school, but I think it's, um, it's, it's harder to, to maintain the culture yeah, in the same I agree, way. Yeah. So. yeah. So those are the things on my list. I don't know if there's anything else that... The part two can be on my yeah. list. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, I don't know. I, it, it was good to think about it a little bit more. I mean, before we always said, from the get-go, small school. I mean, with a, the, a lot of the teachers that are still here were part of the thinking at the beginning of yeah. what we wanted. So we were building a school in the way we wanted. Now, there have been some some great surprises in the school, some families that have gone through, some teachers, and uh, like the, the Vinces, Mama Charmy, and mm-hmm. we'd give an award for the generosity of their family, the Acevedo clan. Right. 
I mean, the Catholic movement, uh, communion liberation, that wasn't in my original plan, and that's right. huge to the, the growth of the school. Uh, you try to think about all the things you were going to do as a school, and then all these other things really, wow. I didn't even think of that. This makes us so much better. Well, right. I mean, it's about being flexible and open, yeah. right? Yeah. And that if you're, if as um, as a headmaster, um, and um, and sort of um, as a school, if I mean, if we're able to um, to accommodate and to um, to adjust to what's happening, then we can see, um, you know, what like how we can make things better, and um, and what benefits there are. Um, yeah. One of the things they said at the Zoom meeting on Monday was the, at the Association of Independent Schools of Greater Washington, the, uh, the median salary for counselors, not college counselors, counselors, $110,000. <laughs> I mean, we have just, we have the priest here and people who care about each other. Right. So that's 110000 that goes to my salary. <laughs> Go somewhere. Right? <laughs> Doesn't come to me. <laughs> no, but I think, but that's right. I mean, that you have, that you don't have to bring in the yeah. people from the outside because there's a community that, and somebody in the community will understand whatever problem you're having. Yeah, and we don't have the the individual education programs. They, you know, the, the smaller kids, you can work with them a little better with the, with the smaller classes. And sure. You can talk with the other teachers about the kid. I mean, it would be helpful to have a little bit more of that, but. I think it's a, a good benefit that the small school yeah. gives. And it's true too that we um that are um that we can detect who needs extra time and, and those kinds of things and be able to talk to the student and to the family and sort of figure out what is the you know, what is the right way to teach them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. yeah. So we agree. We agree. <laughs> we do, we agree. I think the small school is, is now how small is small isn't another thing, you know. Right homeschool co-op right and <laughs> yeah. that's i mean that that has advantages and disadvantages well you know the, the other thing is with with this i mean with the size of our school now the number of sports we do for the girls i mean they have field hockey soccer volleyball right. running swimming basketball softball and lacrosse i mean that's the thing if you're a homeschool you just don't you have to go on to another team. Right, so, right. And then I do think sports give a, a sort of an education that you can't get in other ways. Uh, team, you know, team being a good teammate. Sure. Uh, hustling, working hard, resilience, losing. Helps you to bounce back. Winning's always nice once in a while. That should come in time. <laughs> Looking forward to that, yes. Yeah, that's funny. But yeah, I mean, it seems that... so So large enough to have teams large enough to have Play, uh, a reasonable uh, large enough to have plays large enough to have a reasonable diversity of student and of faculty um, in terms of sort of point of view life experience age um, that kind of stuff um, and thinking about like how to how to make the community rich um, but not so large that you begin not to know people that people feel disconnected um, that people feel sort of disenfranchised. Yeah. You know, when people, like, when you're trying to build a school, we had plans to build up in Clarksburg, and a lot of people, well, well what's your ideal vision of how many in a school? Or what, what would your yeah. ideal school look like? You know, I, I don't know. You know, it might be 
you know, and Kensington, Maryland might be something different than Clarksburg, Maryland. Right. Something in West Virginia would be totally different than something here. So I never had a number, and I still don't know the number. I like I like about 200, which we have now. Uh, I don't know, maybe we could do more, but I'm, I don't have a set number, mm-hmm. what small is. I think the ISM with under 500, even that seems a little big to me. When I was at the Heights, we got up to 467, and you could just see where it was getting a little bit tougher, where I was taking photograph books and looking at the kids' pictures mm-hmm. and trying to mm-hmm. memorize them and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. don't have to quite do that here yet. So, because I only, as a headmaster, I, I interview all the people that come, and I, it's not 200 new people each year. It's 40 new people that right. I have to learn. So And build. Build, yes. yeah. I just remember what grade they're in, though. Yeah. It's tricky. I just add one each year. Yeah. I've, I've <laughs> heard that that works. Yes. I write a poem about this. That's, maybe <laughs> that's where I've gone wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with yeah, me about this today. Thanks for talking with me. Enjoyed it. And um, yeah, and we'll we'll see. Maybe that there's um, a future episode about um, you know other related education issues as we go. Yeah. Then if we become a big school, we'll say the importance. <laughs> of a big yeah, but school. we'll be wrong. Yes, that's yes, right. Yes, but so. we'll be wrong. Okay. Thanks thank, so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Brookwood Life of the Mind podcast. Our producer is Quentin Walsh. Our music is by Fabian Tell. All of the views expressed are the participants' own. Thank you.